We serve an awesome God. And today we're in the first Sunday of a new month. And so we have a new study theme this month. And it's all about overcoming. Overcoming. That's really what we do need is to be an overcomer. Amen. First John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The most important thing that you have, or one of the most important things you have spiritually, is your faith. The Bible speaks about what? The shield of faith. And without that, we are defenseless. We can't really defend ourselves because the Bible says that there's going to be some fiery darts. Anyone experienced some fiery darts? Amen. Anyone has been experiencing some fiery darts? I'm telling you, it just seems the world is going crazy. Now we have mass shootings almost on a daily basis. A daily basis. Uh, someone called me yesterday and was telling me that they were right there at Washington Park. Um, and the, the guy just was five feet from them, pulled out the gun and started and killed, you know, shot the guy. It, it happened so fast. Uh, someone called me yesterday and I was asking for prayer because they were still also shaken up. We're living in perilous times. And I've been teaching all last month how this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And that it, we're looking for things to, to get worse before they get better. But, you know, look up. Look up. Jesus said these would be the beginnings of, of sorrows. And we, we should be well aware that there's going to be things happening in this world that are going to just get crazy. And this is where you need the power, the presence, and the faith to get through. So we're going to be studying this month about being an overcomer. And in fact, the Bible gives us the picture because it's a journey. You don't get there... Uh, you know, a lot of people come and they want to be baptized and they think if they just get baptized, that's going to solve all their problems. And they're not understanding this is a journey. We, di- we didn't go from here to heaven unless you die. <laughs> that's the only way you go straight to heaven is if you die. And a lot of people right now are not wanting that either. So that means you're going to be on a journey, right? Amen. And so we're going to look at that journey because God has already modeled it for us. In the Old Testament, we're going to study this, uh, this day, this Sunday, how the children of Israel got from Egypt and were headed out of Egypt towards the promised land. Because in that, there are lessons for us to learn how we can deal with adversity and the way that the Lord leads us. Because sometimes, sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not always in the green pastures. But sometimes there's a reason, as the lady said, by design. You have to trust God that he's got this and he's got it by design. So now let us look because the Bible tells us that what's in the Old Testament was there for our example. And so we're going to study some things this morning to learn how we can better overcome and not be surprised. I know I don't understand it, but it's, I guess it's human nature. We're always surprised by the fiery trials. <laughs> Even though it says, don't be surprised <laughs> by the fiery trials. Isn't that funny? Man, I'm going through it. <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> well, he said, don't be surprised by the fiery trials. They're just part of getting through. Because as I've said so many times, we are on where? We're on enemy territory. If you were parachuted into some places where you know there was a war going on, you'd be looking around and you wouldn't be surprised if you hear some gunfire. Why? Because you're on enemy territory. It's like we, we're surprised when, when the enemy shoots at us. Like, But yet it's, it's human nature. So we're going to study how they got from Egypt to the borders of Canaan. And in the New Testament, Paul tells us that these things were written... For us to take some lessons from. So we're going to take some lessons from it. 1 Corinthians 10.11 says this. Now all these things happened unto them for an example. An example. And they are written, why? For our 
admonition. That means for our correction, our observation, our taking note and say, okay. See, the best way to learn is not through your own experience, but but somebody else's experience, right? If you see something bad happen to somebody, you say, hmm, okay, I see what they did. I'm going to go different. I'm going to, they turned left, I'm going to go right. Now, if you see something bad happen on the left and you follow on the left, then there's something not quite right with you. You're not learning. You're not learning. Unfortunately, though, again, human nature, the way we are wired, as the saying goes, good, ex- good judgment comes from bad experience. Early on when you're a little child, you learn not to touch hot things. Why? Because you did it once. (laughs) You went and touched something hot even though your mom said, no, no, you still went and touched it. But hopefully you didn't do it two or three times. I think as adults, a lot of us are doing things two or three times. Ow, that hurt. Ow, that hurt. You know, and we can't see how crazy we we look because we're repeating stuff. It used to be that if you didn't pass a grade, you had to do what? Repeat it. You had to repeat it. And uh, sometimes in my life, I've had to repeat some grades because I still hadn't learned what I was supposed to learn. Here Paul is telling us some things. He says, now all these things happened unto them. The them in this case is the the Jews in the Old Testament for an example. And they are written, they're written in the Old Testament for our admonition upon whom... And here's the phrase, the ends of the world has come. That means that thing that happened a few thousand years ago is for us today. It's written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world is come. It's come. I mean, you don't go a day without five, six, seven, eight, nine people getting shot, doing nothing. Doing nothing. There, there is no safe place except in Christ. Because to die is gain. I'm not looking to die, but if you kill me, all it means I get out a lot of stuff. (laughs) I get out a lot of stuff. No car payment, no electric bill. (laughs) All the other stuff you have to do that you don't like. So for the Christian, being, being in Christ is the only safe place. Because you can't lose it's guaranteed. It's not term life. It's not even whole life. It's eternal life. That's the insurance policy that we have. Amen. So when he says that, he's saying that they were given as types, as examples for us to learn. What can we learn from the children of Israel? And the answer should be a lot. They made so many mistakes and it's easy to see that when you're not playing the game. Anyone play like a chess or checkers? It's so easy to see the mistakes and you want to scream at the person. Can't you see what they're about to do? They're about to take your queen. You see, but when you're in playing the game, it's hard for us to see it. And we need someone to tell us, watch out. He's coming up behind you, right? You know all them horror movies? You tell, Don't go into that house. <laughs> you know what's in there. Don't go into the house. Guess what they do? You know, you know the bad guy's right in there hiding behind the door. <laughs> Satan is right there hiding behind the door. And a lot of times, even though the word goes forth, don't go in the house. We go in the house. We know how, how the movie's going to go. So let us start out with them leaving Egypt. Because I'm going to call this the overcomer's journey. They were in slavery in sin, so to speak. That's the parallel for over 400 years. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 29... Of course, the night of the Passover, that at midnight, the Lord smote all the first firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and all his servants, and all the Egyptians that were, and there was a great cry. There's going to be a great cry, I think, after the rapture. For there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. 
Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste for they said we be all dead men. The start of the journey was great. Everything worked out as God had said they should. Let's go. I I told you that he told them that they had to eat that last meal dressed with their bags packed ready to go. I don't know if any of you have ever missed an airplane. (laughs) They don't wait for you, you know. (laughs) If if they're scheduled to go, they usually take off. It's only one time I got on a plane that I had missed and that must have been, must be the Lord. They, I went to the gate. The gate was already closed. The airplane had already started pulling back. And, um, and, and, and she, she said, no, it's closed. And I ran down the, no, I didn't run down the road. I went to the side and there was a, a glass there so you, the pilot could see me. And he, they had pulled the ramp back. And I waved at him. <laughs> the rapture's not going to be that way. I waved at him, and I could see him look at the co-pilot like. (laughs) And you know, (laughs) they pulled the ramp back, opened the door, (laughs) and they they let me in. All the other passengers were going like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Because the door had been closed, the, the, the attendants had announced the, close, the doors were closed. But that day I had favor. <laughs> but let me tell you, that's not going to happen with the rapture. There won't be no waving at no co-pilot. You're going to have to make it before the door is shut. You're going to have to be in the place the night when the angel comes over in the case of Egypt if they weren't inside that place where the blood was applied it said every house every single house in Egypt suffered a death where there was not the covering where there was not the blood applied so I can imagine that for the Jews anyway this was a glorious night they were finally going to leave Egypt, the bondage of sin. You know, when most people come to the Lord first, they're so enthusiastic. They're so happy. There's such joy. They feel so wonderful because they're leaving Egypt. The, the, the years of bondage under sin, they, they feel the touch. And, and they're so newborn. They're just into everything. You know, newborn's into everything. And so the journey started out really good for them. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver. It really wasn't borrowing because they weren't coming back. (laughs) It really means the Egyptians said, go here, look, take it, go. We don't want you around here. Egyptians, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor. I like he did that pilot (laughs) in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians in that way they took away all the stuff that they that they rightly sh- had worked for and so the journey always starts out well when people come to the lord and they say please baptize me they're enthusiastic they their 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 hopes are up that something great is going to happen and everything went well until the red sea <laughs> there's going to be a red sea experience where suddenly it gets real <laughs> It gets real, right? It, it, it's, it's not all uh, fruitcake and parties and, 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 and happiness where you now come up to your first test because you are going to be tested. Satan does not want to let you go. Oh, no, he hates you. He doesn't want to lose anybody from his kingdom, and he's going to put up a fight. He's going to put up a fight. So the children of Israel started out real good. And when you see someone baptized, they always started out real good. As you see on that wall over there, we have many, many photographs of people being baptized. The sad truth is several of them are dead. Several of those people that we have baptized in just the short 14 or 15 years I've been pastor never really made it through but the first test. Many of them are not serving God because it's not how you start out. Scripture says, he that endureth to the end 
shall be saved. It's, not, it's great to start out in enthusiasm. It's great to start out with purpose. But you have to understand, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for the journey. You have to be prepared to understand what you're going to face and be ready have a made-up mind and a determination that no matter what, I'm going to see this thing through. Amen. Amen. Most of the world's armies have what they call special forces. And they, they are the elite of those armies, right? In, in America, it's the Delta Forces and the uh, SEALs. In, in, Amer- in England, where I grew up, it was the what's what's people reckon as the premier special forces, and I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called the SAS. But to get into those special forces, you have to be tested. To get into Christ's bride, you're going to be tested. You're, You're going to have to want this thing. You're going to have to want this thing. Amen. You're going to have to really have a made-up mind. To get into some of these special forces, they, they do some things to get rid of the people who don't really have the determination. So the first week, they put them through hell. <laughs> they, In case of the SAS, they take them out to some mountains. They load them down with about a 40-pound backpack. They give them a map and a compass and say, you got to get from here to there in like two days. You got to do like five miles an, an hour, but not on flat road. It's up mountains, down dales, and you, you, that's just the first, first test. And then after that, they put them through some more tests. I, I told you, I signed up for, um, when I was younger for the cadets, and uh, they, they did the similar thing to us. They put us in the middle of nowhere, and, and we had to get, to get to where the light was, and they deceived us. We all walked into the light thinking this was the, the, the camp and it was where the enemy was. And then they put us through a mock interrogation because they wanted to, to see if we, how, how much we could stand up to. Uh, and it wasn't really torture, but to me it felt like torture. <laughs> I'm telling you, the enemy is going to test you. So they come to the first test and we all know what that was. The Red Sea. And when it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, the Lord that led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. They didn't have to cross the sea. God led them to the sea. Do you understand when he was going to choose some people to, with Gideon? He led them to the water to test them. There will be a water test. Just, just understand that there is going to be a test. So God deliberately led them the way of the Red Sea because there was mountains on one side, mountains on the other side, Pharaoh and his army after he had changed his mind and the Red Sea in front of them. Why do you think God did that? It's a test. Don't you think it's strange the fiery trials that shall come upon you? There are going to be tests. There are going to be things that come into your life that you have to understand. Sometimes I don't understand until I'm in it. Oh, I see. This is a test. Sometimes I don't realize what's going on until I'm well in it. Oh, God, I wish you had told me this was a test. I could have handled this differently instead of getting mad and all frustrated. You know, sometimes we don't realize, and and if we would understand that there are going to be tests. So God led them through that for several reasons. One of the reasons says, lest peradventure the people repent, means change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Now, here's the point. God led them to the Red Sea, believe it or not, because it was an easier test starting out than if he had led them through the land of the Philistines. They weren't ready to fight yet. They were just ready to run. So sometimes the test you're going through is because that would have been an easier test than the one God could have let you get into. Think about that. When they started out, they weren't, they weren't soldiers. They were slaves. They had no weapons or such. They couldn't fight. So God led them through what was the easier route, just crossing the Red Sea. And even there, they started to get all panicky and weak need. Let me show you. You're going to be led to a test. But Jesus said unto them, you know not what he asked. The story is two of his disciples came up to him and said, you know, we want to sit. When you get into the kingdom, we want to sit on your left hand and your right hand. All of us want God's favor. We want God's blessing. But he's asking us, can you cross the Red Sea? Are you going to be baptized? Like, are you going to go through what I'm going to go through? 
You want to sit on my left and you want to sit on my right hand. But are you prepared to deal with what that actually means? You know not what you ask. Lord, I want all the blessings. I want to be a mighty warrior for you. I want to save thousands. I want to go to so-and-so and and have a great crusade. I want thousands to be saved through me. Yeah, that's great. Do you understand what it takes to, to, to do that? You understand what a target you become? If Satan knows you're going to save thousands, do you think he's, he isn't going to come after you? If Satan knows you're going to even save two or three people, don't you think you're going to have a big old target on your back? Jesus asked these disciples, do you understand? You don't, in fact, I know you don't understand what you're asking. Lord, use me. Lord, make me great in your kingdom. Now, we've all prayed that, right? Understand, though, what it means. Understand that there is a penalty with that. There is a warfare with that. He know not what he asks. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. To gain their freedom, they were going to have to be baptized. How? In the Red Sea. They were going to have to go through a waterway. You see, Jesus actually modeled this himself. When he started his ministry, what was the first thing that happened to him? Yes, he got baptized, but then what happened? After they crossed the Red Sea, where were they going? Into the wilderness. After Jesus got baptized, I'm just showing you God's plan. I'm just showing you how God modeled it. The first thing, and I never understood this for years, the scripture said he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Lord, why did that happen? He was led. I couldn't understand. Lord, why would you, would you be led into the wilderness? to be t- Because all of us have to pass the sonship test. You have to pass the sonship test. First of all, are you submitted enough to be obedient? I don't want to. <laughs> I'm laughing because my wife and I were talking in the car this morning. And I was thanking her that she's such um, a great wife in that she's, she's, she's taken on... Taking on, you know, a leadership role because and as a leader, you can't just look after yourself. You have to be looking after other people. <laughs> and of course, both of us don't, don't want that. <laughs> so, so I was saying to her, you know, sometimes the phone, the phone does not stop ringing. Sometimes the phone does not stop ringing. But I was saying to her, you know, but you know why we're doing this? Is because we, not, we didn't come to be served. But we, we are serve, we're doing this as unto the Lord. You know? And I know that that's the case with all of you that are in here. You serve God. You're not serving me. You're serving this church. You're serving your fellow man. And, I, I, and, and God is your rewarder. God is your rewarder. So when we ask God to use us, be prepared for the attack and the trials that are going to happen. Jesus said, first of all, you're going to have to come up to this sea and you're going to have to be baptized. Can you cross over with me? And they said yes. But of course, Jesus, they didn't really, they were just saying yes. Jesus said, yeah, you're going to be. And of course, all but one of the apostles died as a martyr. All of them were put to death. See, you're going to have to be willing, who knows, ultimately, to give your life. Things in this world are not going to get better yet. Let me show you this. See, Jesus showed us the example once you first come to Christ. He was baptized. Then immediately, here's what it says in Luke 4.1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Why, Lord? Why are you leading me into the desert? That's not where I want to go. I didn't... I don't want to come to Milwaukee. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm just confessing. I'm just being straight. <laughs> but you know, uh, Scripture says this too. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And although we may, we may think all kinds of negative things, 
That means there's much more grace here than in some other places. God is more merciful because he understands the situation. Anyway, we see just like the children of Israel were led by God into the wilderness to start their journey, Jesus was too. This is telling us something. Do you understand what this is telling us? You are going to go through a desert place. Don't be surprised. It happened to the children of Israel. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to you. So are you prepared for the wilderness journey? And here's the key, and I'm getting way ahead of myself. The key to getting through is faith. Because you're not going to see anything. It is a desert. It's going to be hot. It's going to be windy. The, the sand's going to blow in your face. The enemy's going to say, man, it was so much better off where you came from. <laughs> man, you could have been dipping in the Nile right now. Be nice and cool. Somebody could have been... You realize that's what they said. They said, why you brought us out here to die? We could, yes, slavery. You know, our mind plays tricks. It always seems better than it really was. You know, your mind filters out all the terrible things and you only remember the, oh, it was so good in Egypt. No, it wasn't. You liars. It wasn't that good. It was terrible. It was terrible. But what I'm trying to show you, and Paul said in Corinthians, these things were written for our example and for our admonition. An overcomer's journey is going to start with a wilderness experience. I don't want it. You don't want it. But that's how it's going to be. And Jesus being full. And it doesn't matter how full of the Holy Ghost you are. Isn't that what it said? And Jesus being full. You can't get more full of the Holy Ghost than Jesus. He also said. The servant is not greater than his master. So if they did this to the master. They're going to do that to you. Right? Let's read on. So we see the parallel in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. But God led them, the, the people, through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So when they first left Egypt, they were pulling all kinds of stuff. They were trying to take everything with them. Now, that can sometimes be a problem when you try and take everything with you into the place where there is not a place for you to take everything with you. Right? They tried to take a lot of the Egyptian stuff, which included some golden idols. Some stuff that they really shouldn't have been taking. And you know the story. They came up, of course, to the Red Sea. And God told them, listen, if you will have faith, Moses talked with God and God told him, this is what's going to happen. Let's read the story. So the first step is crossing over. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still. You know why God led them that way? Because they had no capacity. The real reason why he led them that way is because they had no capacity to figure this out themselves. This was not something they were going to be able to fix. You ever been in that situation where there is no way this is going to work out unless God does a miracle? I've been in that situation several times where if it wasn't for God doing a miracle... It was not going to turn out very well. I have been in that situation several times. God led them this way again to prove them. Even though he really didn't have to, you would have thought after 10 miracles in Egypt, they would just believe. You'd have thought after all the great miracles God has done for you, that the next crisis you would just believe. But that's not so. We all get panicky. Oh man. This is worse than it was before. How are we going to get through this? And I'm guilty of this too. I'm guilty of this too. You'd have thought that God wouldn't have to prove himself anymore to us. But we are so, I'm going to speak to myself, I am so insecure of his love sometimes. Right? We're so insecure of his love that we always demand that he do something more for us. And of course, this probably frustrates God so much. Because he's done so much. Many of the things he's done, we don't even realize. They're hidden. You don't even know the time you just escaped an accident. He pushed the car a little bit more. You lost your keys, couldn't find it. You were late. You just dodged an accident. There's so much God does for us that we're not even aware of. Sometimes he pulls the curtain back just to let a little stuff get through. So we say, oh my, Jesus, thank you. Because he loves us. 
Here, God one more time wanted to prove to them how much he loved them so that they would have to do nothing. There was nothing they could do. Pharaoh was behind them, mountains on this side and the Red Sea. God made this situation so that they had to do what? Stand still. Sometimes that's all we can do is stand still and believe and trust in God's faithfulness. See the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom he have seen today shall see them no more. Forever. The best fight is when the Lord fights. I was talking last night to someone about a certain situation. And they were telling me, man, if it was me, I'd go out there and I'd do this and I'd do that. And I said, neither me nor you can handle it this way. I was telling this person, neither me nor you can handle it this way. I can't, as a pastor, uh, handle it the way of the flesh. That would not be a good, good in the news. That would, that would not be a good uh, uh, Fox 6 news story. That would not be a good... Fo- and I told the person, you can't get involved in this that way either. You can't get involved in that way either. That wouldn't be good for you. Would not be good for you, for me. He was saying, well, God uses people. So he can use, he can use us to handle it. I said, no. I said, neither you nor me can get involved in that way, but God will handle it. He will handle it. Verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you. When the Lord fights for you, the outcome is predetermined. There is no if, ands, or buts how it's going to end up. And you shall just hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. So I want you to understand what happened. The Red Sea is about two or three hundred feet in, in front of them. And then God says to the children of Israel, start marching towards the sea. You know what that takes? Faith. You don't see the sea parted yet. You only see the, the, the seas in front of you. The sea did not part until they got to the sea. So they had to first... God told them, start marching as if it's going to happen. Start believing that your deliverance is... This is the overcomer's journey. You understand? You have got to keep going forward as if it's going to happen. You've heard my testimony about that mortgage thing. I just kept going forward as if it was going to happen. Even though every single letter, everything that was being told to me said no. Even the very final letter said, no, we've declined it. We're coming to foreclose. And I said, no, you're not. (laughs) This can't be right because this is not what God told me. And of course, when I called them up, they said it was a mistake. I'm not going to, that's my testimony. God will deliver you when you keep marching towards your Red Sea. When you march towards your, what did David do? He marched towards Goliath. He didn't run from Goliath because he had faith. So we imagine they got up to the sea and stood there and then Moses, no, that's not what it says. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. They saw the sea and they stopped. What are we going to do now? (laughs) Well, let's see. Maybe if we go back and bow down to Pharaoh, he might spare some of us. Maybe if we, if we humble ourselves, he might spare. (laughs) That's not what God said. He said, just keep going forward. Keep going forward. That's what we got to do, right? The sea did not part before they started to go forward. That's the thing you have to understand. Amen? And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. For 40 years, actually it was 42 years, 42 years, 42 years they had a representation of the Spirit of God with them all the time. And yet, they were afraid. They were always terrified. Yet they could see what had happened. It's amazing. I know we, we criticize them, but you know, we do the same thing. I'm sure right now some of you are facing some crises. As I am. There's some things that I'm dealing with. And my, my flesh wants to be, well, how's this going to work out? What I need to do is to to take what I'm preaching to you today. Go forward. Go forward. Lean not to our own understanding. Because if we try and work it out ourselves, it looks impossible. 
But what God is saying is keep going forward. When you get to the sea, it will part. You know why? Because I'm fighting for you. I know you can't do it. I know you can't do it. You don't have any capacity to handle this problem, this issue. Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Our job is just to believe that. See, now this journey was planned this way so that they would in fact have a baptism. Because the Bible tells us that going through the Red Sea was a baptism. No one got to the promised land without being so-called baptized. How can we say this? Here's, here's what the, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10.1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that he would be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. What's a cloud made out of? What was on their left hand? What was on their right hand? So in other words, they, were on, they went underwater. In other words, they were baptized. People think that you can get to heaven without being baptized. What does verse 2 says? And they were, some of them, baptized. There were three quarters of them baptized. It says they were all baptized. Unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. John 3, 5 says, Verily, verily, I say, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now the cloud... Not only represented water, but it also represented the spirit. See, they went under the spirit, which was the cloud, and they went in the water. They were baptized in both the spirit and the water. You understand that? That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Don't be puzzled. Don't be confused that I said to thee that he must be born again. See, again, in this same chapter, he said all of these things were given to us as an example. As an example that we must follow. He must be born again. Amen. Now, here's something that we forget on our overcoming. God does some great miracle of which he's done. So many for me. I'm thinking of another one when I, the IRS sent me a bill for half a million dollars. <laughs> Half a million dollars. And if you had a bill that big, half a million dollars, 30 days to pay. See, I know what I'm speaking about. When the Lord fights for you, he does it well. I didn't pay that. You know that. I'm telling you that now. Jesus delivered me. <laughs> I am not ashamed of the gospel Bible says. I'm not ashamed to tell you my testimony because God is who he says he is. Amen. So here's the thing. Can you think of something God delivered you from where it looked impossible? Well, the, ex the next example of the overcomer is that once they crossed over, you know what they did? Anyone know what they did? They gave thanks. They then sang Moses. They worshipped. They gave thanks. The interesting thing about this verse is this song is in the book of Revelation. It says that they sang the song of Moses. When we get to heaven, somehow we're going to know what that song was. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. See, a lot of times when God delivers us, we just move right on. We never say thanks. When God healed the lepers, ten of them, only one of them came back to give thanks. You don't need money. You don't need riches. All you need is a mouth. That's all you need to give thanks. Even over the smallest of things. Because I think the thing that God appreciates is gratefulness. I mean, even as a human being, when you've done something for someone and they just take it as nothing, you say to yourself, well, maybe I won't do that again. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe, maybe they didn't understand that I was putting myself out for them. See, we need to be grateful. The overcomer needs to give thanks. 
When you last, Lord last delivered you, you need to give thanks. You need to worship. You need to say thank. Because he didn't have to do it. God doesn't owe us anything. No, we owe him our very breath, our very lives. The first thing the overcomer will do after you get delivered is give thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Amen. And his mercy endureth forever. See, you don't need money to do that. You just need a a kind of heart that is of a grateful nature. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him an habitation. You know what this is speaking? This was prefiguring the fact of the Holy Spirit that they were going to prepare a heart for him to inhabit. I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. In fact, you should just give thanks for being here. For God waking you up. I can bet you there's a bunch of people went to sleep last night, did not wake up. I know God has saved my life many, many times. So they sang a song of thanksgiving. That's an overcomer's song. When you, when God delivers you, they went through the Red Sea, then they, they sang a song. Now, the devil goes, goes away and he says, okay, that didn't work. I'm gonna come up with plan B. <laughs> I'm going to get these people one way or the other. Okay, so God delivered them over the Red Sea. I'm going to come up with plan B. They're, they're in my territory. They're in the desert place. Hmm. I'm going to make sure they get no water nowhere. <laughs> so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And that word means wall. Sometimes you just come out of victory and you ran into a brick wall. You go, but God, what happened? I just got delivered and now, now I got into another mess almost immediately. So Moses brought, and there were thousands and thousands. Of, some people calculate there could have been as many as two million people besides their animals and their flocks in a desert. You need water. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Then they came to this place called Mara, where there looked like there was some water, but It was poisonous. It was bitter. You couldn't drink it. It was brackish. And they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Mara. And Mara means bitter. You know, you just come off this victory, but you're still in the wilderness. And the devil will start to play on your mind. And you'll start to maybe get bitter. The Bible speaks against lest no root of bitterness spring up in you. You start thinking about how somebody did something to you. And how this happened to you. And if you meditate upon those things, you know what will happen to you? A root of bitterness. It's very easy. It's very easy because people do things to other people, don't they? That are hurtful. And it's very easy to start feeding that. and, and, And start to blaming your current situation on what happened last year or even 10 years ago. And you start meditating upon it and feeding it. In this example, this is a literal thing that happened, but it's spiritually, it's an admonition to us. That as we walk through Satan's desert, don't let things take root in your heart to make you bitter. Because it's very easy. People will do things to you. You can can look back and say, man, where would I be if this hadn't happened? Or that person hadn't done this. And they came to Marah and could find nothing to drink. For they were bitter. And then, of course, you know what happens when... People always look to find someone to blame. That pastor. Man, That Moses fellow. Man, we were doing so good. I mean, yeah, they would beat us occasionally, but we had food and water. Aren't people, aren't people so fickle? One moment they they want to crucify you, right? And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink, you great leader? You brought us out here. What's the plan? Come on now, what's the plan? God speaks to you, tell us the plan. See, there's water here, but we came here and nobody can drink it. It's poisonous. See, that's how the devil works. He will take something 
and make it blow up instead of what did I say? The only way you get through this desert is faith. You have to absolutely believe in God's goodness, no matter what your circumstance, even if you haven't heard from him in your, in your estimation, you still have to trust him. See, that was Job's secret. What did he say? Though he slay me, yet even though it seems God, you did this, you brought this upon, because that's what his wife was telling him. Hey, this God you serve, look at it. Your children are dead. Your, your, your riches is gone and now you're sick. You might as well give up. Curse God and just die. Just die. <laughs> you know what he said? Though he, see, this is Job's secret that the devil will not understand. And this is the secret weapon that we have as Christians if we will use it. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. If we can say that and mean it, there won't be nothing that Satan can do. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Because Job put down to his very life, he said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. So they come to Moses, what shall we drink? And of course, Moses didn't know. So you know when you don't know what to do? You ask God. And he didn't just ask God, he cried. Sometimes God will put you in a, a situation where it's not, Lord, I really need your... No, it's crying out time. It's crying out loud time. It's bawling time. It's getting down prostrate on your face time. It's really making a fervent prayer time. And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. Now, first of all, this is amazing. Remember where they are. They're in a desert. There are no trees in a desert normally. There are no trees in a desert, but somehow, supernaturally, there was this tree. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if it looked like that or whatever, but the Bible says there was a tree. And the Lord set this up, really, because most of the things we go through, the Lord is setting them up to do what? What are they for? To trust him? To teach us. To teach us. To teach us to trust him, to have faith. So God set this symbol up. All of the, what I'm trying to tell you, the whole journey from Egypt to Canaan was to teach us something of a fulfillment in our own lives. So they came to this desert place. There's, there's water, but they can't drink it. But there's also a tree. There's also a tree. The Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved, again, it was God seeing, do you trust me? To get into the bride of Christ, you have to truly love him. He don't want to marry someone who don't love him. God is not having anyone who don't love him in the bride. You have to trust him. I truly trust my wife and I believe she truly trusts me. And that's because we've been on a journey together. <laughs> you know what they say, for richer, for poorer, for health or sickness, right? It says, and there he proved them. He was testing Israel. I, he created these people as, as his. Were they, were they worthy of this choice? Are you worthy to be in the bride? Do you trust your husband? Do you trust Christ to get you through? For richer or poorer, in sickness and health? Till death do us part. Is that, is that in your repertoire? Is that, are you willing to say that? Are you willing to believe that? Can you act on that? You see, this was just a prophecy of how we're going to get through into the wilderness. Because this tree was a figure of Christ. Without Christ being thrown into your water, it's going to stay, stay bitter. It's going to stay poisonous. It's not going to change. Shall I prove it to you? In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the, out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. See, Jesus is that branch that you need to put into your bitterness into your waters that can't satisfy. 
It's in the scripture more than once. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Without Jesus being put into your water, it's going to be bitter, it's going to be undrinkable, and it won't deliver you. It's in Jeremiah 33, 15. In those days and at that time, maybe our time, I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up into David and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Without Jesus being the branch, you see, God set this up because he was wanting to show the symbol of how Jesus can change a person's life, change a person's circumstance when we truly put him into the water. In fact, modern day, modern day um, word Mary comes from the word Mara, which means bitter. Now, you don't think it was a coincidence that the lady that was chosen to bear Jesus had her name really in the Hebrew Mara. We'll get to that. There's more to that. We'll get to that. But that's where the word Mary comes from. It means bitter from the root of Mara. Luke one twenty six. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. This is the fulfillment of the prophecies I just read to you in Isaiah, that out of the stem of David would come forth a branch. And the virgin's name was Mary. You understand, all of what was in the Old Testament was prefiguring and a symbolic of what was going to be fulfilled in the New Testament. Similarly to how Moses threw the branch into the water, which is Christ, we have to have Christ into our hearts to change it from being bitter to sweet. See, now, that was the first incidence where they needed water. It was the start. But as you journey, unless you're going to stay at one place, you're going to need water everywhere you go. Right? So once the branch had been put in there, God then showed them another symbol, which was the rock. Because they moved away from, once they had watered their flocks at Mara, and God enough, they were journeying. And again, they needed water. See, you're going to always need water. In the New Testament, he told that woman, he says, He who comes to me, the branch, will never thirst. But out of his belly, river... Rivers of living water. He also said that again on, at the feast. Let's read it. And the Lord said unto Moses, they, they, they moved on, Take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thy hand, and go, behold, I will stand before thee. Now this is to show you that this was Jesus. Read it carefully. It says, I will stand before thee in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus. In fact, it's not revealed to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 4. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Once they came to the rock the first time, they didn't need any more rocks until near the end because the Bible said the rock that gave them water literally followed them. They had like a tanker truck. That's what the scriptures tell. The rock followed them. That's why from then on until the end of the, the time, they never needed water again. When you have Jesus, you will not need water again. And it all drink of the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That's what Corinthians Paul is revealing to us, the mystery of the rock. See, God said, I'm going to stand before you and I want you to strike me. Because he's that rock. And the, the, the symbol was that Jesus was going to be crucified. And when he was struck, what did the Bible say came out of his side? The blood for our salvation, the water for our cleansing. Do you understand that? Do you see it? He said, smite me. And this is why God was so mad with Moses. Because after 40 years of all this happening, the people got mad again because the rock had stopped because they had come up to the boundary of Canaan. They were about to cross over. And they got mad and said, we need more water. And Moses got angry and lost his cool. And you know what he did? God told him this time, go speak to the rock. Today, Jesus is not going to be crucified again. You know what we need to do? 
All we have to do is speak to him. That's all we have to do is cry aloud. That's all he's asking us to do. But what did Moses do? He got so mad with the people that he struck the rock again. And he broke the symbol of Jesus only being crucified one time. This was the reason why he could not enter in his lifetime the promised land. And thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come out water out of it and the people might drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. You understand that there's going to be different things on your journey to be an overcomer. The first test was coming up to the Red Sea. The second test was needing water. And you know that the, the, all the story. Then they, then they started complaining for food. And God made stuff appear on the ground. God will do that. He can do that. That's how he paid my half a million dollars. He made something appear out of nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But it was similar to that. God made something appear and he made their bill disappear. <laughs> but we are so such terrible people. Man, I'm tired of this manner. Every day it's pancakes. <laughs> I've learned to cook it six different ways, but I'm tired of it now. <laughs> they started to complain again. Hey, Moses, <laughs> you know, this stuff is okay, but, you know, we want a little bit of flavor. This church is so dry and boring. All he does is talk. <laughs> we want some different food. We want some, <laughs> and the people's. <laughs> we want some different food. That preacher, all he does is talk. He doesn't, he's not lively. He doesn't run around the aisles and spit upon people we want some different food <laughs> it's true I said if the words don't move you I'm not going to try <laughs> now I'm not knocking other preachers okay Blessed be them. If God uses them in a different way, I'm just speaking to you, okay? Amen. So you see what happened. They, they started to complain again. We've had these pancakes now for 20 years. Can't we get some meat? So God got mad at, mad at them and, and made all these birds. You read it, it was, it was up to feet deep of birds till it started to rot. God told, you want meat? Okay, I'm going to give you meat. I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> when I was younger, somebody was harassing my little brother at the time, and I had bought him an ice cream cone. <laughs> and this bully came up and had taken it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I didn't hurt him. I didn't, I didn't really hurt him at all. <laughs> But when I called up to him and I, and I took the comb back, I said, so you really want this, huh? <laughs> I did smush it in his face. <laughs> See, you know what God did? He smushed it in their face. You want meat? Okay, you're going to get meat. You read, you read the story. There was meat up to a foot deep around the camp. They were tripping over birds till they were sick of it. God, See, sometimes we complain too much. Instead of being grateful... And you know the story. Actually, it only took them two months, 46 days, the first time, to get up to Mount Sinai. And it only took them two years altogether to get up to the first time to the Jordan. Only two years. They could have crossed over. We're not going to finish this lesson today, but we're, they could have crossed over after two years. But uh, because of unbelief. They came up to Sinai and, of course, God told them, be ready because I'm going to show you something. On the third day, and we've talked about this, Exodus 19.10. And the Lord God said to Moses, go unto the people, sanctify them. Remember, this is an example. You want to see God? Why don't God talk to me? I want to hear his voice. Okay, okay. Go sanctify yourself. Separate yourself from all that mess. Wash yourself. What did he say? Sanctify them today and tomorrow let them wash their clothes and be ready. Be ready. You want to see me? You want to talk to me personally? Okay, let's see if you can handle this. And I will come down. 
But when he started to make noise, they said, wait a minute, no, that's too much for us. Because there were earthquakes and, 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 and lava started pouring out of the mountain. They said, okay, Moses, we get it. You go talk to God. We, we made a mistake here. Because they could not talk to God because his presence was such a fearful thing. But on the third day, it came to pass on the third day. So this was the 50th day. It was Pentecost, which is coming up. There were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud. This is the, this is the journey. Once you've been baptized, you have to be filled. There were journeys, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded loud and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake. And God answered. And the Lord God came down upon Mount Sinai. This was Pentecost. See, this was prefiguring the filling of the Holy Ghost. The Lord came down. And there was, there was thunders and lightnings. On the day of Pentecost, it says, and the whole house was full of the sound of the wind rushing. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up. See, they could have ended this journey after just two years after this. They had only had another little ways to go. And they could have crossed over the Jordan early. But you know how this part of the journey ends. It ends in unbelief. Finally, when they got up to the first time to the Jordan, Moses, under the Lord's command, sent out 12 spies. Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what, what it is. And the people that dwelleth there, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what land is that dwelling then? And whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. So they went up, verse 21, and they searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men came unto Hapath. And of course, they came back with an evil report. Now, imagine, they've seen God turn the Nile into blood. They've seen them have light and the land of Egypt be in darkness. They've seen frogs come out. They've seen lice. They've seen the, dead, the, the Red Sea parted. They've seen water come out of a rock and follow them. They've seen meat provided in a desert. They've seen water turned into sweet. They've seen their clothes not wear out. They've seen their shoes not, not wear out. And now they decide they're not going to trust God. No, man, no, no, no wonder God was angry with them. I would be angry with them. I would have to say, what more can I do for these people? God is saying to you, what more can I do for you? When will you start believing me? Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched in the children of Israel, saying, The land, though we have gone to search, is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we, so were we in their sight. You know what they were doing? They were magnifying the problem. Instead of magnifying their God. When we magnify the problem... It will get bigger. But if instead we magnify our Savior, the problem will get smaller. If you could stand with me. But two of them were not having any of that. Oh no. Numbers 30, verse 30. And Caleb still the people. Hey, hush up. Be quiet. Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able. At times, you know, you look at the city of the Milwaukee, you see all the, the murders, you see everything that's going on. And yes, the, the report is there are giants in the land. No doubt. But I'm telling you this, we are well able. We are well able. I'm just going to jump down to Philippians 4.13. Here's what Paul says. I can do all things. Let's say it. I can do all things. Through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. That's what our 
motto should be, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We are well able. The situation looks impossible. The city looks devastated. There's so much hardship. There's so much poverty. There's so much crime. But as I said before, where sin doth abound, grace doth, not just a little, much more abound. Hallelujah. Amen. This is just lesson one of our series this month on being an overcomer. This was the wilderness, this part one, wilderness journey. Come back next week. We're going to have more. Amen. We are well able to take the land. But this part of the journey ended in, in defeat. And now they had to do another 40 years because of one thing, unbelief. We can stay in our own little thing here because of unbelief thinking we can't do this. It looks impossible. With man, this is true. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord. Let it plant a seed of faith in our hearts. Lord, that although we are facing giants, although we are facing opposition, although, Lord God, it looks overwhelming, Lord, with you we can triumph. Lord, we place our trust in you, Lord God. Let our faith not fail, Lord Jesus, as we lift up your standard. Lord, as we worship you, as we thank you, as we bless your holy name. Lord, we ask right now, Lord God, that faith will arise in our hearts, that we will stand upon every promise you have given us for deliverance, for restoration, and for healing, for financial doors to be opened. Lord God, for blessing, hallelujah, of your spirit, for souls to be saved. Lord, we ask right now, Lord, for your blessing, hallelujah, to fill our hearts and to take us to the next level. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah.